So whenever your top pitcher comes to the mound, and, and I guess we can quibble about if you really want, if it's Manoa or Gosman. I'm, I'm going to lean Manoa, as many will, uh, here on July 15th. But whenever that guy is on the mound, your top guy, you need your stopper to go up there and dominate. Look, I know the Blue Jays had one, two against the Phillies. Yes, they suffered that embarrassing loss in the series opener against the Royals last night. But no matter the opponent, when your top guy goes out there, you need him to put an end to the other team. Bottom line, that's it. And more often than not, Alec Manoa has been the, the, he's been that guy. I'm not super fond of throwing the term ace out there super liberally because I feel like no matter what kind of pitcher you have in your roster, I think every fan of every major league ball club will probably go out there and say, well, one guy on the roster is the ace, right? Like, you'll probably say that even if that guy is not an actual quote-unquote ace amongst all of Major League Baseball, of which there are probably only, what, 12, maybe-ish? I think that's a generous <laughs> a generous number by itself. And, and look, Alec Manoa right now, outside of maybe two or three guys, in terms of age compared to ability, I think Alec Manoa, at this point, I'm comfortable using the term Ace, right? I've used the I've used the names like Corbin Burns or Sandy Alcantara and so on, a, a past and likely future winner of Cy Young awards. But Alec Manoa is right there. He's right there with those guys. And few guys you take above Manoa at this point. Like I know people are always very fond of asking that question. Well, if you're starting a major league ball ball club. Who would you start your franchise with? And I know, you know, your popular names are guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr. and Soto and Acuna and Otani and so on. But if you had to start from scratch and you had, you had to choose a pitcher, I dare say more often than not, people are picking Alec Manoa. Again, I know the the bar is low when it comes to the quality of competition. Uh, and, and like like Arden and Ben were saying in their wrap up. Like the this is the kind of win you expected last night, and I dare say it's the kind of win. And again, you never nothing is really expected. You never can really expect wins in baseball because we know anything can happen on any given night. But at the same time, the bar the bar is pretty low with this version of the Kansas City Royals, and and uh, tons of rookies going for them, and Manoa doing just a terrific job in his last start before he heads off to Los Angeles as a first time All Star in just a couple of days. But welcome into Jay's Talk, of course, across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you tonight. I'm here on Saturday evening as well. Blair and Barker will wrap up the first half of the season with Jay's Talk on Sunday. But tonight I'm Show, I'm with you, and we break down this 8-1 to win over the Royals to even up the series at one game apiece. Uh, give me a call, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. You can text me as well at 590-590, and you can, of course, leave your name and location so I can give you a shout-out on the air. See a couple here from Scarborough, one from Vancouver. We'll get to those in a quick second, but, of course, you can text me and call as well. Uh, Manoa's final line tonight, seven innings pitched, four hits, one run. It was earned. No walks, six strikeouts. That one run coming from Nicky Lopez in the fifth inning. Only 86 pitches thrown. Uh, the sixth start in which Manoa went at least seven innings of work, seven innings or more, of course. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm a little shocked he didn't go longer. It kind of looked like initially when he came off the mound after the seventh, he went to the dugout, and you could see him having the... I think initially it was a conversation between John Schneider and Pete Walker and Manoa himself. That's what it looked like. But I think as that 
and again, I'm going to use conversation with, with uh, quotation marks here, air quotation marks here. As that conversation went on, it certainly seemed like it became less of a conversation and more of a, you're done for din- for the night, go sit down, Trevor Richards is coming in for you, he's been warming up for a while. And I do want to add the Trevor Richards conversation, because I think he has looked, uh, he's looked a little bit better here, I mean, quite sneakily better since coming back off the IL. So we'll have the Trevor Richards conversation, but... I, uh, I I definitely I saw some tweets and so on as the game was was in the seventh inning there asking why Alec Manoa wasn't coming out. I gotta I, for the eighth inning. I gotta think that at 86 pitches through seven, you probably weren't seeing him in the ninth anyways. I would have liked to have seen him get the eighth inning, but quality of opponent. I'm sure proximity to the All-Star game itself did play a factor. And uh, li- like the guys were saying, he is done for the first half officially because. <laughs> I I don't know what it would take to get Manoa to pitch on either Saturday or Sunday. Honestly, probably something truly catastrophic. But let's but let's be realistic here. It's not happening. So after the first half of the season for Manoa, 114 and two thirds innings pitched and an ERA ERA of a 2.28. And uh, look, very thrifty. For him, right, he got into some trouble in the top of the fifth inning, but he still managed to get out of it thanks to a strikeout and a great throw for Matt Chapman. That's what you want to see uh, from your ace. Um, let's go to the text line here, 590-590, leave your name and location. I see one here from Douglas in Halifax, and he texts in about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Actually, I see another one here about uh, Vladdy as well. This is from Steph in Quebec City. Very very similar text, actually. Steph saying, should Vladdy opt out from the All-Star game and just take a break? He seems to be tired and exhausted. And uh, that was sent in during the game. That was sent in maybe, I'm not sure, around like 9 o'clock Eastern. And I think it's a valid question as to whether or not he should, you know, even if he doesn't opt out of the All-Star game, I think it's a valid question to be a little concerned about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm not saying he's, like, bad by any means. I think it's actually pretty impressive that on, in a season we all largely are considering a, a little, a teensy bit disappointing from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. At the same time, he is still having an All-Star caliber season. Whatever You know, whatever, you can say whatever you want about the fan voting and should this guy have gotten in over him or should another guy have gotten in over him. At the end of the day, the All-Star, All-Star balloting is about, is a popularity contest. You want to see the game's biggest stars go to, at least in my opinion, go to the Midsummer Classic. So, I honestly, I know it's a homer take. I have no problem with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being voted in by the fans as a starting first baseman. But I think it's a valid question to ask whether or not he should go, maybe he, mentally getting some time off. But at the same time, and again, I, I don't obviously know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. personally, but he seems to be a relatively, from everyone I've talked to, he seems to be a pretty fun-loving guy. So maybe he, his form of relaxing will be to go to the All-Star game for the, the second consecutive year and have some have a good time with Manoa and Kirk and, and, well, Springer's not going, but have a good time with the rest of the AL guys and so on. I, I, I honestly don't think that's a huge issue. But I will say... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is still expanding the the zone maybe a little more than I'd like. The second time he came to the plate, he struggled with the tricky stuff from Greinke, right? The curveball, the slider from Greinke. But as soon as he saw that fastball, and Greinke at this stage of his career, what is he, 38 years old? Fastball averaging around 89, 90 miles an hour. He laced that ball into right center field. He was aboard. But then you kind of also got the down peak of the roller coaster that is watching Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over the past eh, two to three weeks. In the sixth inning, he swings at the first pitch with runners on the corners and no outs, a cutter kind of in on his hands. He pops it straight up. In the eighth inning, he swings at the first pitch again, 
And I mean, look, he blistered that ball. He straightens that out just a teensy bit more to the right. It's, a, it's an extra base hit for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But he doesn't get it, and he swings at the very next pitch. He grounds out immediately. Like, I get these guys are young, and I think we know at this point that both Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette, for example, are, are two aggressive dudes. We kind of know this at this point. But just take a few pitches sometimes, <laughs> Vladdy, you know? I just uh, get a wait for a better pitch. I think the thing that confounds me sometimes about Vladdy Jr. is that, again, he has not taken, again, either it's, it's either not many or zero walks in the month of July, which is a bit of an alarming number because we know he is a disciplined batter. We have seen him work opposing pitchers time and again, and he doesn't seem to be doing that. Maybe it's pressing a little bit. Maybe there's something else going on. He's, he certainly seems a little freer and easier now that there's the managerial change. I think that's, uh, that's, that's, totally, that's totally fine. But, I mean, he comes to the plate at one point in the, in the sixth inning, and there was no one out, and he pops it up immediately. I just He's someone who can work the pitch count when he wants to. And, again, sometimes players go through it, and it's not like we know what's going on in their heads, but... My goodness, just Vladdy, take a couple of pitches sometimes. It's just that that's that's all that's all I want to see every now every now and again. It just wouldn't kill you to take a couple extra pitches, Vladdy. I uh, and this is this is he, he remains a prodigious talent. He remains one of the most talented players. I will I'm convinced in all of Major League Baseball. I think there will come a time, probably probably later on this season, maybe as soon as right after the All Star break. I believe they're playing the Red Sox in and in Boston at Fenway Park right after the All-Star break, on that, starting on that Friday of next week. But, I mean, it's not – there are very winnable games in the rest of the July schedule for the Blue Jays. And, I mean, then again, we said that about last night. On the flip side, we said that about tonight as well. And here we are talking about an 8-1 win uh, for the Blue Jays. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I still think, is one of the most talented guys. Again, I think he's closer to being the AL MVP guy of last year than he is to what we've seen at times, especially over the last three weeks this season. That's where I fall on Vladdy Jr. But I time off for the All-Star break probably isn't going to happen for such a young guy. At the same time... I, I do kind of hope that the uh, the break mentally is maybe 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 a good thing for him, and it's also why I fully support George Springer not going to the All Star game. We know he has had a, a, a litany of ailments, not obviously this year, but just over the course of his Blue Jays career so far. So to see George Springer not go to the All Star game, and I mean, what it was, this would have been his fourth or fifth time going, he he kind of knows what to expect. So. I think it's probably the best decision. And let the young guys go, right? Let Kurt go, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. go, and, of course, Alec Manoa, who was uh, absolutely brilliant tonight. Uh, let's go back to the text line here, 590-590. I see one here. Al in Brantford. Uh, show Vladdy is off or DHing every week. He is in a slump, not tired. Going to the All-Star game and having fun will do him good. Okay, I, I like that one. You can take that that side of it, Al. I, again, I, I really do think Vladdy Jr. is the kind of guy, he, he just, he's so gregarious, right? He's the kind of guy who goes out there and likes to party and he's dancing in the dugout and so on. I know some people don't like that, but I think that's just a part of who Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is at this point. And I mean, remember the other day, I forget if it was in Seattle or Oakland. I think it was in Oakland. And he he strikes out or, or whatever. He lines out and he runs up the first baseline, runs past the first base bag. And then just sits next to Anthony Bonda, in I, I think it was in Oakland, in the uh, the Oakland uh, the Oakland kind of bullpen that's right right along the edge of where seats are 
in, in the in the Coliseum. And he kind of just sat there. I remember I turned to Ben and I looked at him and I said, "Is that like is that an out of character thing?" And he looked at me and he was like, "Absolutely not. That is that's just who Vladdy is. He likes to be a little silly, and that's just a part of his personality." So yeah, Al, you know what? Maybe you're right, man. Maybe he will. Uh, maybe he will have some good done for him if he goes to Los Angeles for a bit of a party with some of the game's best players. Uh, I see here, uh, Justin in downtown Toronto. Why is Matt Gage in AAA right now? I got to say, I don't know the answer to that question is, Justin, but I, I, I'm on board with what I suspect, and I suspect you are too, with bringing Matt Gage back up to the Major League roster. Now, with Trevor Richards looking as, as good as he has in his return off the IL, and again, Richards... Six appearances since returning, one hit, 11 strikeouts. Yes, he has walked four guys, but he hasn't given up a run. Six swinging strikes tonight alone, the fastball touching 95 miles an hour. Jimmy Garcia obviously coming back during that Seattle series as well and looking pretty good as well. So maybe you're getting some quote-unquote reinforcements in the form of guys who were just on the IL and coming back now. But I would like to see Matt Gage, honestly. I would like to see him come back up to this Major League roster again he hasn't been asked to pitch in super high leverage spots. Again, I go back to the uh, the uh, Doug Eddings games, as we're gonna as we're gonna call it for Chicago against the White Sox, and uh, Gage, of course, being the one who, for whom that game ends. Yeah, I think he takes the loss in that one, but still, he showed some promise. And at that point, what was relatively high leverage in extra innings, I believe he struck out Jose Abreu at one point uh, to end an extra inning. So I, I think Matt Gage has impressed me certainly more than 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 Casey Lawrence has, or I don't know Thomas Hatch has. I think we're going to be having these conversations about the bullpen more and more and more. It certainly seems like because. Again, the, the the cost of acquiring a guy, I was reading something on Luis Castillo earlier today, and it looks like the Yankees are looking at him. The uh, Dodgers, of course, are looking at him. The Yankees and Dodgers, you could probably just tie their, those two franchises to every major trade candidate for the rest of time every single year. That's just the nature of things. But at the same time, I was reading a report saying that the Yankees might have to give up Anthony Volpe in order to, to nab someone like Luis Castillo. Volpe is one of their top prospects, period. And I have a feeling they're going to balk at that. I have a feeling any team across Major League Baseball would balk at trading for, even for someone who is obviously as excellent as Luis Castillo, you'd, have a, you'd, you'd balk a little bit at trading those, that, that high prospect capital. So I uh, have a feeling we're going to continue to discuss the starter conversation and the bullpen augmentation conversation, if you want to call it that. Um, but hey, Matt Gage deserves a spot on this roster, and uh, I, he, has, he has pitched generally speaking pretty well for the for the situations he has been called upon to pitch in but at the same time I, I think we see him back up in the major leagues sooner rather than later um I see a text here uh where is it from Chris in Vancouver how do you evaluate Matt Chapman and Chapman's an interesting guy right he clobbered a three-run shot tonight Teoscar Hernandez grabs a three-run bomb as well and I see another text about Teo so we'll get to that in a second but three hits overall for Chapman, very patient at the plate on the homer that broke the game open in the fifth inning, working to the three-one uh, count. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious how you guys feel about Chapman's bat. I like generally speaking, I think it's 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 definitely looked better. Second straight day with the home run for Chappie. Uh, he's been that guy who we've often talked about just suffering some truly wretched luck with the batted balls and the hard hit balls and so on. Guys putting their backs to <laughs> the the outfield walls and making catches that if they had been in any other ballpark would have been a home run. And certainly he has there's some some ugly sides to the uh, to the offense as well. A number of bases loaded situations that he's been batting that he's either 
struck out or grounded out and ended the game for relatively recently. So I understand the consternation when it comes to Matt Chapman. He's like, when, when they play in, whenever they play in outdoor venues or places with the dome open, I feel like Chapman is one of those guys as the ball begins to travel a little further that it might be someone who benefits more. Like, whenever I come down to the Rogers Center, I make sure to get here early for batting practice. And whenever I see Chapman get to the plate, maybe more than any other guy takes those practice hacks, he is crushing bombs on a regular basis. Like, the power is obviously there for him. And I know he strikes out a ton. That's probably not going to change given the kind of player he is. But I guess I'm starting to go from lukewarm on Chapman's offense to... Slightly hotter, Tep- tepid is tepid higher than lukewarm. I definitely am getting higher on uh, on Chapman's bat. And you know, we were talking about this in the newsroom the other day, and I'm curious what you all think about this. But knowing what you know now about Chapman's defense and how stabilizing it's been versus what Marcus Simeon has been since signing that mega deal with the Rangers in the offseason, and I do not and, and will never blame a player for grabbing grabbing the bag, a gener- generational, life-changing amount of money for him and his family for, like, for literally generations to come. I, I don't blame a guy for doing that. But knowing what we know now about Simeon and about Chapman, offense and defense, would you go back and make the move to keep Simeon, or do you prefer the defense and potential offense of Chapman, I think for me, it is still close, at least. I, I was a big fan of Simeon last year, I, I got to say. But I think, honestly, given what we have gotten from, well, certainly Kevin Biggio tonight, Santiago Espinal as well, who didn't play. But I think I'd still go Chapman, based on the flashes we've gotten from the bat, right? Simeon would undoubtedly be a valuable part of the clubhouse because of what he brings from a leadership perspective. In, in my eyes, at least. But maybe that's less of a need now that the clubhouse has changed somewhat with the manager change. But, uh, yeah, I think Chapman and it, the bat starting to heat up. Because I think up, up until this point, you could probably have said that Chapman's bat was, at best, disappointing. Uh, but, uh, hey, it's starting to look a little bit better here. And if this continues, if he is starting to heat up, and uh, we're getting into into mid-July here, even if we come back from the All-Star break, maybe that does him some good as well, and Chapman becomes a, a better part of this lineup. Because we were having conversations during the Oakland and Seattle series about Chapman having to, maybe he should be batting eighth or something like that, right? And, and honestly, I found it difficult to argue, given how he had performed as of late. But hey, I think uh, Chapman, if he continues to show what he's shown, again, three hits tonight, including that three-run laser beam, I, um, I'm i I'm all for it. Um, I'll, by the way, on, on the clubhouse change, on John Schneider, real quick, the last time I did Jay's talk was when the was when the ball <laughs> blew through Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s glove. Another ball clanks off of Gabriel Moreno's glove in the infield. No one waves him off or calls him off. I felt kind of bad for Moreno, honestly. Then he gets sent back down immediately. Seemed like that was in the cards anyways with Danny Jansen's return, but still, I felt kind of bad for Moreno and then for all the Blue Jays fans who went down to, to Seattle to witness that debacle. But people called in to that Jays talk to ask about the managerial change potential, and here we are not even a week later, and it's happened. For me, at least, it's boiled down to Charlie Montoyo probably just having served his purpose, getting the guys ready for being major leaguers, getting them a taste of what is required to win, and now it was just time for a change. right? I, I honestly do think that if we don't get better play out of the guys like Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., or if the bullpen is not augmented, you're probably still going to be having very similar conversations about like who is going to who out of the bullpen or you know the bats maybe being hot and so hot and cold more often than not. You're probably going to be having those conversations again after the All-Star break. But then again, after the break, after next week, it'll be just a couple more weeks until the trade deadline. So maybe we see some moves made in a week or two 
Uh, you know, again, asking prices on guys like Castillo and Montes and Scott Barlow, super high. So, yeah, I, I, I'm just unsure franchises want to pay that high prospect capital. But it certainly seems like, again, early on, the shuffled batting order and maybe the uh, managerial change paying some dividends in the clubhouse, which will trickle its way out onto the field. But uh, you're listening to Jays Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm Show Ali as the Jays win 8-1 to over the Kansas City Royals in Game 2 of 4 here at Rogers Center, the final series before the All-Star break. Uh, We're going to step aside. When we come back, we will get back to the text line, and we'll check on it on the phone lines as well. But again, you can text me at 590-590, name and location. But you're listening to Jay Stock. I'm Show Ali on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you this evening as we break down the Jay's 8-1 8-1 win over the Royals to even the series at one game apiece. Seven innings of one-run ball from Alec Manoa, Trevor Richards, and Anthony Bonda closing out the game. I got to think, too, that Anthony Bonda pitching in this game means that there will not be an opener tomorrow. So we'll have to see if Max Castillo will be the official starter tomorrow against the uh, the Kansas City Royals. But, uh, yeah, that's, the, that's for tomorrow. Max Castillo likely to head to the mound, but Alec Manoa was brilliant again tonight. Three-run blasts from Teoscar Hernandez and Matt Chapman. Uh, before we get back to the text line, let's take a look at the Bet365 standings update. With, with Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or the money line across many different sports, 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. If we look, take a look at the standings update here, the Yankees and Red Sox are in action right now. It is tied 4-4 in the top of the 10th inning, so we'll see if that holds. Oh, well, that holds. It's, it's tied right now, but we'll see who wins. But right now, the Yankees are 62-27 and coming into tonight's game. Tampa Bay beat the Baltimore Orioles, so they are now 50-40. and Toronto with the win tonight is 48-43. and They are a half game up on Boston. So let's say the Red Sox do lose to the Yankees tonight. The Yankees will be 63-27. and The Red Sox will be 47-44. and So with a win, the Red Sox will be uh, tied with the Blue Jays for third in the AL East. And with a loss, the Blue Jays will have sole possession of third place in the AL East. And the Baltimore Orioles, with the loss to the Rays, they are 45-45. and 45. Their win streak has been snapped. They were looking for their 11th straight win. 11th straight win for the Baltimore Orioles. That is the They had won 10 games. They didn't play yesterday, but prior to that, they had won 10 games. I think they had three straight series sweeps. 10 straight wins for the first time since 1999. That is truly wild. That even includes the days where the Orioles are some of the best hitting teams in all of Major League Baseball dating back to like the 2014, 2015, 2016 years there, right? So that's uh, that's pretty remarkable. But either way, tonight they do fall to the Rays uh, and a pretty exciting one, but the Baltimore Orioles are 45 and 45. So that's our Bet365 standings update. Let's get back to the text line here. 590-590. I see Steven and Williams Lake. Uh, Steven and Williams Lake is in BC. Uh, he says, "Welcome back, show. Manoa is a beast. What kind of money will he will he be expecting, and when will he get paid?" Also, Tapia continues to play well and exceed expectations. Yeah. Hey, I mean, anyone who said they expected what we have gotten out of Tapia after what a night where, or pardon me, a season where Tapia was largely expected to be eh, a guy we saw occasionally. Someone who would come in when one of the three outfielders was either injured or just getting a DH day or something like that. 
I think he has far exceeded expectations. I, I've been pretty effusive in my praise with uh, with Tapia in the in you know in recent, certainly all season long, but certainly in the last maybe like month and a half. Tapia has been has been great. I will say one blunder he made tonight that overrunning first base and going to second that was just. It was dumb, all right? I mean, there's no way, there's no other way to put it. That was just unnecessarily aggressive. And I don't know, I don't really know what he was thinking because the ball, when it sank into center field, it wasn't particularly deep. It wasn't like the ball landed at the warning track. It landed maybe like halfway to the dirt where the second base bag was. And he just, it didn't seem like a particularly tough play for the, the outfielder to just flip it into the second base bag there. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure what he was thinking there. And then, of course, it all, unfortunately, it just took the wind out of the sails of the Blue Jays in that particular inning because then what ended up happening was they got two guys on base and then someone lines out and the inning is suddenly over immediately. So, hey, a rare blunder for Raymond Tapia, but again, a guy who doesn't strike out a ton Again, he's improving the uh, launch angle, which when he arrived here was basically parallel to the ground, but uh, looking a lot better and having a, a fantastic month of June and certainly a, a good start to the month of July as well. But the other half of Steven's question was, what kind of money will Manoa be expecting and when will he get paid? I'm always like, I'm always kind of here for the Blue Jays maybe going out there and buying out a couple of arbitration slash free agent years in terms of like kind of what the what the um what the Padres did when they kind of bought out some of Tatis Jr.'s arbitration eligible slash free agent years when they kind of bought out some of those years just to get him paid a little earlier on. But of course you kinda of have to pay up for those years because I mean, why? Why would why, otherwise? Why would the player sign a deal that might look lucrative when it comes to being like two hundred and fifty or three hundred million dollars? But when you're that young, you know. I mean, I'll put it in context. The Garrett Cole deal was signed with the Yankees. He left the Astros, signed it with the Yankees in December of 2019. Nine seasons, a total value of $324 million. It was the largest contract ever given to an MLB pitcher, and I think an AAV, let's call it, around $36 million. So I I don't think it's going to be that much. I mean, certainly... It could it could be if if Alan Manoa continues to improve on the way he's been going, it very well could be. But I still think sub three hundred million dollars. I would I would hate to see it be a shorter term. I would just lock him up to a long term deal as soon as possible. But we know the the way the front office operates. Even though they have said the own ownership has said that they're going to open the pocketbooks for their homegrown stars like Manoa and Vladdy and Bo and so on. I um I would be surprised if it happened in the next let's say two seasons. I, w- I would be surprised if it happens. If it does happen, then great. But if it, if it doesn't happen until maybe the beginning of 2024 or thereabouts, I think that's probably right around the, the correct timeline. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> there's no question Alec Manoa is going to get paid. Um, I see Leslie and Scarborough. Manoa is a real beast. Eh? What a game. Have a great night. Stay safe. You as well, Leslie. Yeah, Alec Manoa, what a monster. Again, seven innings of one-run ball. Uh, Robin Woodstock, uh, I know the pitching has taken the bulk of the flack for the team's woes lately, but it's time to put the responsibility on the young offense. I'm tired of seeing these guys smiling, patting each other on the backs in a losing game. Thursday's game, they managed one run on a solo home run off a triple-A pitcher. There needs to be more accountability, more urgency on the offense to perform on a regular basis. They can help the pitching by just being consistent. No team is afraid of the offense this year. It's supposed to be this team's strength, and they need to be held accountable. It certainly seems like, at least in the young tenure of John Schneider, it certainly seems like that will be more of a a common theme, let's say. It certainly seems like accountability. And certainly, John Schneider has said that he's going to rely on the players to police themselves a little more. And I think that does kind of go back to having leaders in the clubhouse and 
who is the leader in the clubhouse? And again, before I, I've said a number of times, I, I truly believe it was Simeon. And without him there, maybe there was a teensy bit of a void. I do think that guy who will be the leader in the in the clubhouse, quote unquote, that guy is Bo Bichette. I think he is. Remember, he didn't wear the home run, home run jacket that one time and relatively recently and it certainly seems like like he was kind of trying to button things up a little bit I think he is on his way to becoming like the stoic guy in the clubhouse whereas maybe Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez who's obviously a little older I think uh, those guys will probably always be what they are but uh, yeah I think Bo is probably going to be the guy to hold hold players accountable going forward because that's that seems to be what he has, uh, has shown himself to be uh, Tim Bathurst New Brunswick simple one Manoa is this team's MVP Peter in Toronto show Tabby said on the TV broadcast the Jays quote unquote took care of business tonight something I would argue needs to happen a lot more often when they play the bottom feeders after the all-star break I would agree with that again after the all-star break they play the red three against the Red Sox and Fenway Two against the Cardinals. Cardinals are not a pushover. They're at or near the top of their division in the NL. But four against the Tigers, there's no reason they should be uh, they should be losing games to teams like the Tigers. And you go into you go into August as well. I mean, it's not a pushover schedule. But again, with lots of games against the Orioles and Angels and Cubs coming up as well, there's no reason this team shouldn't be uh, competing for a higher spot in the AL East. But that does it for Jay's talk here tonight here across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Appreciate the texts as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. Jays beat the Royals 8-1 at Rogers Center to even the series at one game apiece. Alc Manoa with seven innings of one-run ball. Tomorrow, Max Castillo will likely get the start. Daniel Lynch will go for the Royals. First pitch flies at 3.07 p.m. Eastern across the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'll have Jays talk and the pregame show tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.